Yeah, I know we played it last year. It kills me. I love it. I love it. The reactions. I mean, dancing with all your might on a path because you know he's alive. Putting your arms in the air and saying, oh, he's alive. The tears in that old man's eyes. He's alive. Last week was Easter. This week is Easter. Every Sunday is Easter. Every day is Easter. Not because he was risen, but he is risen. He is risen. He's always risen. And he told us when he left that he would be with us always to the very end of the age. And so today as we gather, we can have no doubt, Jesus is here with us. He is present with us. And we come to celebrate his living presence. One of the ways that we enjoy the presence of Jesus is by partaking of his word, spending time in taking the Bible. If I were to ask you this morning your definition of breakfast, I suspect we'd be kind of all over the map. Some of you, breakfast is not complete without a pound of bacon. For others of you, it's, it's one of the menu items at Cracker Barrel involving a lot of gravy. Maybe you're still a Denny's Grand Slam guy or woman. I don't know. Uh, there may be a favorite breakfast you have at your house on Christmas, you know, something like that. This morning, breakfast for me was getting out a little custard cup and putting in some almonds and putting in some walnuts. And you kind of go, how can that be breakfast? You know, it's just no bacon. How can that be? Oh, this is wrong. I think that when it comes to Bible intake sometimes, we get a little bit, um, we get a little bit mixed up because we think every time we intake the Bible, it's, it's got to be a feast in terms of the proportion. It's got to be something huge. And it really doesn't have to be something huge. It can be a custard cup full of almonds. It can be taking a snack of a verse or a passage and reading it and meditating on it and digesting it and hearing the words of Jesus spoken to us. So we're back to our our question this week. And the question, you find it on the inside of your folder. I know you can't see it right now, but I can't. I have light. And it says, do I give time for the Bible to speak to me every day? Do I give time for the Bible to speak to me every day? Can I tell you one of the great privileges we have? We have so many ways for the Bible to speak to us. We have more ways for the Bible to speak to us than quite literally any generation in the history of earth. I mean, you can listen to it, you can have it come up in your email every day in a verse. You, you can look at it online. You can have paper Bibles, you know, a library full of them. We have the opportunity to constantly be taking in the Word of God. And, and so the challenge for us this week is to think about how am I going to daily engage the Word of God? And by the Word of God, we mean the Word of God, the Bible, but we really also mean the Word of God, Jesus. How am I going to daily engage with Jesus as I take in some of the Word of God and digest it? Like I said, there are so many tools these days, so many ways. I, I, you know, you go from uh, one-year Bible where you're reading huge chunks every day to the opposite end where you, where you might just take a passage and dwell on it for a day or a few days or a week 
all over the map. I saw a tool this past week that's really cool. I think it's the English Standard Version that's doing this now where uh, the books of the Bible are divided into one-book journals. So you have a book for Luke, a book for John, one-book uh, journals, and on one page is the Scripture reading, and on the other side is a blank page where you can just respond in writing to what you've read. Uh, there's an app coming out soon called Dwell that just gives you the chance to listen to the Word of God in a systematic way. And you've got the, uh, the Bible app that we use that you can either read it or you can go ahead and, and listen to it. Hit the listen. So lots of different ways to take in the Word of God. The question is, am I and how will I? Am I doing it now and how will I? You know, back in the day when I was a little kid, my family had, I don't know if they even make them anymore. It was a little, it looked like a little loaf of bread and it had cards in the top. And when we gathered for our meal, we'd pull out the card, and the card had a verse. And we'd read the verse together, just getting getting a taste of the Word of God. And here's the thing that's incredible. Because it is inspired by the Spirit of God, God has the ability to take that Word and change us and transform us. Now, some of you, when it comes to reading the Bible, you say, I don't understand it. That doesn't stop you from watching some really goofy movies that you don't get either, you know? I mean, uh, sometimes you don't understand it the first time through, or the second time through, or the third time through. But it's amazing how as we continue to walk with God, uh, and the drip of the Word of God continues in us, that over time we're not even as worried about understanding as we are about knowing Jesus. Just really getting to know Him better. So, you know, there are going to be classes on Romans in Paul. Uh, on Paul. <laughs> there are going to be classes on Romans in heaven with Paul. We'll get all the details. We'll finally understand. John will finally explain Revelation, thank goodness. We'll get it all. We'll understand it all. But our prime objective isn't always understanding. I, I, I'm not trying to espouse a, a religion of ignorance, but it's not always about understanding. It's about being with God. And taking in the Bible a day every day is one of the ways to be with him. So, do I give time for the Bible to speak to me every day? Think about the question for the next minute. And then go engage uh, with this representation of Christ with us today. Bread and cup communion at one of the four stations around the room. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning at Southfield. Uh, we're going to do our announcements. And if you are, have the links, which is our, the way we send out our announcements uh, every week, you can pull out your phone, follow along with the links. If you don't have those, you can sign up either at southfieldchurch.com by scrolling all the way to the bottom and clicking that little check mark, or you can go to the welcome desk and get signed up there. But uh, let's get going. So the first thing that we have is an opportunity for you to get it. Oh, offering is going to come now. I haven't done this in a while. Uh, yeah, so we have an opportunity for you to shape our June teaching series. We're going to be answering your questions. It's going to be called, What's Your Wondering? So any question that you have, whether that's about our faith, whether that's about Southfield individually, whether that's about a specific aspect of what we do here uh, or Christianity, give it to us. We want to know. Uh, you can toss it to us online. You can fill it out. Uh, again, you can fill out a card and Give it to us at the welcome desk. Anything that you have, any questions that you have, um, we're going to be answering as many of those as we can during our June teaching series. Next, our spring session journey groups. Start, some start this week. So make sure to go online to southfieldchurch.com 
and check out the Journey Groups tab. There are so many different offerings that you can get involved in, and a lot of them are really great opportunities for you to take that first step either with us in Southfield or uh, just getting in touch with, with new people, new faces, and starting to build those relationships here at Southfield. We have an opportunity for you to get baptized this summer. We have actually two different opportunities. One of those is in June. We'll be doing it indoors in our new Family Life Center, which is really exciting. And then the other one uh, will be later in August when uh, we go down to the river and celebrate uh, um, baptism down by the river as a church. We have uh, a chance for you to sign up to get involved with Quest. If you would like to serve on the, on the Quest staff, which is a lot of fun. Again, a lot of different opportunities there with, be, between being a team leader or uh, a breakout leader or something like that. Uh, we want to know that you want to be involved. Uh, and this ranges from junior hires all the way up through, you know, anybody. So if, you've, if, if you have been feeling like you want to get involved with Quest, come on, uh, get on the website, sign up, and let us know, because, again, it's a really exciting time, especially uh, to get involved in there. The last two things we have are for students. We have Green Lake registration, which is winding down. The deadline's May 1st, so if you haven't gotten registered, go online, do that today. Uh, and we're also for high schoolers, Omega. The details have finally been hammered out, so we're going to be posting that registration here soon. Um, those dates it's the second weekend of July. So again, kind of, it's a different structure. Again, we're doing like more of a weekend trip, a four-day weekend trip, rather than doing uh, a whole week-long thing. Uh, so again, it'll be, be really exciting. So go ahead and get signed up today. Thanks, Brian. Let's talk to God. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we are grateful uh, to be with each other today and know that when we are with each other, we are also with you. You are present with us, with us to the end of the age. And we thank you that no matter what we are walking into the room with today in our life experience, that we are not alone, that we have a true friend in you and in each other. As we look at your word today, I pray that we would uh, find ourselves nourished by what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, last week, was a, it was a great opportunity to be able to talk again about just what the the message of Jesus is all about. And as we talked last week, um, I, I highlighted the fact that much of my experience of this Resurrection Weekend and really, you know, Holy Week and Good Friday and Silent Saturday was, was greatly influenced and impacted by the passing of Kim's dad last fall. It, it had a way of taking the events of the week and making them, uh, I don't know, incredibly raw and human and, and meaningful in a way that, that was different for me than other years. There was just that, that sense of the re real humanity of the suffering of Jesus and, and knowing, I think, better what it's like to, to be there with uh, the, 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 you know, the body of someone you, you love and they're gone. So one thing I didn't mention last week was how, you know, how it felt the day after he was gone, especially for me. He died at uh, 10.35 on October 22nd, and once he entered into the presence of Jesus, we just sat there around the bed. Uh, sometimes we spoke, sometimes we were silent. Sometimes we cried, sometimes we just smiled. And we, we held on just for a few more minutes as we sat with this clay house that Kim had known as a dad for her entire lifetime. Um, then we called hospice, and being Sunday evening, we knew it might be some time before actions that were necessary were put in place for his body to be taken from the house. So it was going on three in the morning by the time we got to bed. 
I don't remember when I woke the next day. I know that it was, it was early. I do, I do distinctly remember three things. I remember waking and realizing I was in Springfield and, and feeling kind of happy until I realized why I was in Springfield. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you kind of go, oh, and your heart sinks. I remember um, walking into the family room and seeing his picture for the first time since I had seen his body. And it was just kind of eerie. I remember thinking quite literally the words, it is, it is finished, it's over. And I remember going to Panera to get my family breakfast. <laughs> I stood in line uh, as people ordered and laughed and went on their normal day. And in my numbness, I, everything just felt very slow to me. While all this racing was going around, everything was really slow. I kind of wanted to say, excuse me, would you all just slow down? This day is anything but normal. Why are you not mourning? A good man is gone. As I ordered, I struggled to form the word bagel. It was hard to even talk. It sounds crazy, but I was just numb and exhausted. And all this made me think of those who were closest to Jesus. They woke Saturday morning, and they remembered. And the heaviness re-entered their hearts. They may have seen some things that belonged to Jesus or were familiar, and they thought, it is finished. A good man is gone. And I'm sure they entered that day and they wondered how in the world anyone could act normally. They may have wanted to say, excuse me, slow down. Today is anything but normal. Why are you not mourning? A good man is gone. I believe we hear that sense of loss. We hear that bewilderment, that exhaustion in the conversation in Luke chapter 24. We read, starting in verse 13, that the same day two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began to walk with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, responded, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened the last few days. I hear it in these words. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Slow motion deep sadness. For the next several weeks, we're, we're going to take up residency in this story. The past few years, it, it's become one of my favorites. I love it. Why? Because it delivers what I think many of us want, but few of us find. It speaks of life-changing Christian community. Community, it's been coined doing life together. It is one of the great promises offered in so many churches. Deep relationships, that result in lasting change. And sadly, I have to admit, it too often feels like a huge overpromise and underdeliver. Under deliver. The promise of community often falls short. Many years ago, as part of our small group leader training, we have leaders listen to a series of cassettes. Yeah, that gives you an idea of how long ago it was, right? 
they were cassettes about doing life together in what was termed little platoons. Leaders would listen to these talks, and they were so inspired. They were ready to go. Let's do life together. They longed for deeply centered community, centered in Jesus. But for too many reasons to count, they felt deflated by the third week into their newly formed little platoon. We hunger for community. We hunger for meaningful connection, and yet far too often all we get is a get-together, a snack, and just another study. These two people walking on that seven-mile journey from, from Jerusalem to home help us to understand what Christian community is and how it works. You see, to experience life-changing community, we need a shared understanding of what spiritual transformation is. We've got to agree on what the goal is, right? And we need to develop a common language for expressing our dreams and desires. And we need a shared commitment to arrange our lives for this kind of community. And these are some of the things we hope to develop and encourage as we walk this Emmaus journey together the next few weeks. It was not the day after Jesus died, but the day after the day after Jesus died. They're still exhausted. They're still bewildered. In fact, maybe a bit more than even the day before. We know from the words of Cleopas that that Jesus died and he was buried, but then early today... The body of Jesus is discovered as being missing. Some suspect mischief and others are declaring a miracle. He is risen. In fact, a few of his own even claim to have seen him. And before we take a go further, I want to take a look, a closer look at these two friends. One is identified by name in the Bible. The other is not. Uh, The name follower is Cleopas. We have no biblical biography on this person. This is the only time he is mentioned. We know he is not one of the 12, but it is likely that he's part of the larger group of 120. Jesus kind of had, he had the three, Peter, James, and John, then the 12 disciples, and then this larger community of men and women, the 120 close followers. The fact that he already knew details of the resurrection sightings suggests a closer connection uh, with, with with the other disciples. He's traveling with a friend. He's traveling in twos. The disciples were sent out by Jesus in twos. Was this his official partner, perhaps, as a disciple? Maybe. Some suggest it's Luke, the author of the story, and he's modestly withholding his identity. Others suggest that it is his his wife, and they're, they're headed back home after the Passover weekend. I'd like to suggest that we, suggest we accept this lack of an official identity as an invitation. Kind of an insert your name here. Put yourself in the story. Hear the words. Feel the emotions. Engage your senses. Walk with me. Let's walk together as we unfold the beauty of Christian community in the presence of the risen Lord whom we do not yet recognize. These two disciples find themselves in an interesting place. They are caught in a space we might identify as between now and not yet. Now has just passed. What, what they were living is, is gone. Not yet is not yet. They're wondering what comes next. They don't know. They're caught in the middle of now and not yet. They thought Jesus was going to be this Messiah who was going to rescue his people. And now he's gone and they don't know what's coming next. 
One author refers to this as as liminal space. L-I-M-I-N-A-L. Liminal space. The Latin word limen, L-I-M-E-N, means threshold. It's a doorway out of one room and into another. So you kind of you're there in the middle of these two spaces. It's it's that needed transition when we're moving from one space to another. More often than not, I got to admit that that liminal space is a place we hate to be. But it's a space that God, the God of the Bible, takes us to, in order that we might experience lasting transformation. This threshold often induces some kind of a crisis. Uh, You may have left the tried and true, or or it left you, right? And and you're not yet to the place that will replace it. You're standing in the doorway. You're holding on to the doorway, wondering if the house is going to collapse on you. It is Abraham leaving his country for a place God will ultimately reveal. It is Joseph in the pit. It's that space between Egypt and the promised land called the wilderness. And believe me, this space often feels like a dry, barren wilderness. It's Jonah in the belly of the fish. It's Mary weeping as she sees the empty tomb, but she's not yet met the gardener. It's the disciples in the upper room. And it's Cleopas and the unnamed disciple on the Emmaus journey between the life they had known and the one that was yet to be revealed. I want you to stop right here for a moment. Can you identify a liminal space in your own life? A threshold holding onto the doorway. What was is gone. What's to come is not yet. This is us, right? This is the unnamed disciple entering the story. I don't want you to leave it sitting in theory. Own it. Maybe you're there right now. You're holding onto that doorframe, hoping the house will not collapse on you. Maybe you've been there in the past. What, what was it? What is it? What is the disrupting event? Maybe even traumatic event that rocked the comfort of your now and left you hanging, waiting for what was not yet. Maybe it was the loss of a job, the ending of a significant relationship, a dream, lifelong dream that poof, it's gone, a death, a betrayal, A season of change. Kids move out. Empty nest. Now what? Sometimes it's a shift in community. You sat at a church you used to attend and you knew it was time to uproot. What next was not yet known. Liminal space. A threshold. It could be something a little more subtle. Like that sense that it's time to let go of something you have in order to grasp something that is new. Maybe it's a negative pattern we know that is in us, that needs further transformation and an awareness of a stuck place in our spiritual life and we don't yet know how to get unstuck. We sense that now is gone and we're waiting for something yet to be revealed. Liminal space, the threshold. Uncomfortable, unpredictable, in so many ways undesirable and yet a necessary and vital tool in the hands of God to bring about our spiritual transformation. It is a tool for lasting change. While we may feel that whatever precipitated our Emmaus Road experience is beyond our control, we do have control over one thing. 
whether we will choose to walk the road alone or with others. I would suggest to you that part of the reason for engagement in transparent, authentic Christian community is that it not only makes our liminal space moments more bearable, but it makes them more transformative. It is, it is in this kind of community that we realize we are not alone. Others are there. Jesus is there. Others are there not just to advise us or fix us, but to walk with us through the season God has prepared for our transformation. When I first started out as a, as a pastor, I graduated from Trinity in 1990 and we loaded up our, our rather small U-Haul and we headed down to Oakville, Missouri, little town in South County, uh, to what I like to call a micro church. You've heard of mega, mega churches. This was this was itty bitty nothing church. This was this was thirty people who had been together for ten years trying to get this thing off the ground. They had originally met in a house in a basement. They sold that. Now they had built a building and things were going to boom. Yay! And we got a new pastor and this is going to be so great. And so I get there and I start getting to know these people and I'm thinking most of them had been there the whole ten years. They've been there the whole time. And so I'm thinking, wow, I'm entering into some, some really rich relationships. I mean, these people have been together. They've done life together. They know each other so well. They're connected. This is going to be incredible. And as I started to get to know them, I realized what I was dealing with was uh, a room full of people that acted a lot like a room full of toddlers. Have you ever been around a room full of toddlers when they're interacting or not necessarily interacting? They go and play by themselves and enjoy their thing, and the only time they come together is to fight over the toy the other person has, and then they get that and they go back to their corner. And I'm like, how in the world, after 10 years together, can we be so disconnected? How can we be so alone? How can we, how can we be so afraid and so apart? And then the interesting thing is they, they wanted to connect with me. So I end up becoming kind of this hub in the middle of all the spokes. And I start hearing their stories. And I got to tell you, their stories were heartbreaking. Their stories were gut-wrenching. They were difficult and dreadful. And I'm thinking, you're going through all this stuff and you've been in this room with these people for 10 years and the other people had no clue what was going on in their life. It, it just, it, 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 it broke my heart. And I really believe it broke the heart of Jesus. For many, their, their growth was stunted. They were stuck. They had refused to share and to process their liminal moments. They put on a, a face of perfection. They played it safe and they kept their distance. I was too young and way too immature to understand the why of it all. But I got the what. This was a group claiming to be Christian community who lived in complete disconnection. Let me repeat this. While we may feel that whatever precipitated our Emmaus experience is beyond our control, we do have control over one thing, whether we will choose to walk the road alone or with others. Now, I can't speak for you, but I'm a professional on me, okay? When, when, when I'm in the throes of loss or disillusionment, when I'm experiencing profound emotions, my go-to instinct is to be alone. I want to be by myself. Some things just feel too personal to share. And at such moments, I feel like no one could possibly understand what I'm going through. The idea of putting the, the unspeakable to words is it's just plain exhausting. 
And the idea of subjecting my soul to what I assume will be a long list of comparative stories. Oh, I remember when I went through that and, and suggested quick fixes at such tender times. It all, it all just feels like too much to bear. The fact that these two chose to walk together and talk together is deeply profound. It's incredible. They could, they could have decided that what they had experienced was so personal, it was so traumatic, that they would rather just walk alone and be with their own thoughts. Or they could have made a commitment. We'll walk together, but we're not going to talk. Change the subject. Think about something else until I have processing time, until they could get a handle on it. They could have opted to do what so many do. They, they could have walked together but avoided the elephant in the room. They could have engaged in small talk, chatting away about anything but that. And you know, it's funny. I, I was in the middle of putting all of this together. i literally working on this page, and I get a phone call. I get a phone call from a friend. You don't know him. Don't worry. And, and this, this friend calls, and, and, and I had actually seen something early in the day. He had posted about some trauma going on in his family. And, and actually stated that he's going through one of the most difficult seasons he's ever gone through with his children. And so he calls. I'm thinking, well, he's calling the prophet. No, not really. I'm thinking he's calling for a friend, right? I think he's calling to find out, you know, just help me, pray with me, do something. And he starts talking. He just starts talking about something else. He's, he's off to the races. And so he, it's like he's about to say, I'm done, you know, goodbye, have a great day. And I said, hey, I read your post earlier today. I'm so sorry about what's going on with your family. He says, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, you posted it to five million people. <laughs> Zuckerberg knows. I mean, you know. <laughs> but you don't want to talk about it. And I, I just kind of laughed inside. And, and yet, there's, it's funny because then there's this shift that took place into me that said, in real community, isn't it okay for me to say, okay, maybe not now. Maybe not now. But boy, we're funny this way. We're funny this way. For a lot of us, we just we don't want to talk about it right now. They could have engaged in small talk, chatting away about anything but that. But no. While the experience of the weekend was still fresh and raw and unvarnished and unresolved, they chose to walk together and to talk about the fundamental issues of their lives. No avoidance, no hesitancy, total transparency, complete honesty, and pure community. The two walking together had a commitment to one another. They had a commitment to authentic biblical community. This level of commitment to one another, you got to understand though, is not a thing in and of itself. It was their willingness to walk together and talk together that actually caused Jesus himself to come near. Think about that. They were not praying the way we would normally think of praying. They were not having a Bible study or, or gathering for worship the way we think of gathering for worship. They weren't having a formal quiet time. They were discussing the stuff of their lives. All the things that had happened that had a profound impact on them. Something about the nature and quality of their conversation opened up space for Jesus to come near. And the encounter that took place was completely reorienting and totally life-changing. This is the essence of Christian community. Before Jesus draws near, a group of people walking together is merely a human community. Once Jesus joins us on the road, it becomes Christian community. And as we open to the presence of Jesus on the road, 
between now and not yet, it becomes a transforming community. Why does Christian community so often fall short? Why does it seem like this over-promise, under-deliver? I, I think part of it is because our focus is off. Very often when it comes to relationships, we start with the focus on ourselves, right? What do I hope to get out of this? What do I need? What do I want? Who do I want to be with? Who do I not want to be with? What do I need to learn? What do I need to study? You know, we kind of go through this list of things we want. Scripture teaches us that this approach, this self-focused approach, is, uh, it just never works. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let go of your life, you will save it. And so we shift. We grow more mature. We grow more altruistic. We think me didn't work, so I'll, I'll get into relationships for others. I'll get into groups for others. I mean, we think of verses like Jesus saying, but among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leaders should be the servants. So we find a group of the most needy, most broken people we could ever find, one that matches our gifts, and we put ourselves in give mode. We give and we give and we give. We stay late to listen to that one person who loves to talk, and we give and give and give some more. And while it feels much better than me mode, We find ourselves drained and depleted. Community has gone from the Dead Sea, all receiving and not giving, to now a cup that is constantly being poured out and is never being filled. Or like holding a teaspoon and trying to hold back the waves of the ocean, you just never feel quite like enough. Community focused on getting is gluttonous. Community focused on giving is gracious, but it leads to burnout. Is it not a wonder that we find ourselves thinking that community doesn't work? Lots of promise and little delivery. You see, community that is Christian begins with a focus on Jesus. And it begins with a focus on his invitation to be with him. The walk on the road was focused less on the direct relationship with each other and more on continuing to be in a life-giving, life-transforming relationship with Jesus. Many times, communities claiming to be Christian are focused on human needs, human beings, and the human dynamics involved. The Bible might be read, a prayer might be said over a snack, but the presence of Jesus is not expected or experienced. When our focus in Christian community gets muddled, it can devolve to the point that Jesus becomes secondary or even tertiary. But God is calling us as men and women to gather around the presence of Jesus for the purpose of being transformed by Christ's presence so we can discern and do the will of God together. This involves committing ourselves in concrete ways to opening ourselves to the powerful, transforming presence of Jesus. What are his last words to us? I will be with you always. Are we always aware that he is with us? He is with us. Are we with him? The Bible demonstrates that it is possible to be in Christ's presence and not be with Jesus. It is possible to hang out with Jesus and still not experience an ounce of change. Three years, Jesus was with Judas, but clearly Judas was not with Jesus. What did the teachers of the law say about Peter and John? We've seen it so many times over the last few weeks. They recognized as men who had been with Jesus. Not 12 who had received great training, 
men who had been with Jesus. Jesus had been with them, and they, in turn, had been with Jesus. And so for the challenge for us is not to sign up for another group before it's too late, though it would be great if you did that. Today's the last day. <laughs> the challenge is not to fill your calendars this week with, with appointments to hang out with people. Introverts, take a deep breath. We're not going to break into little huddles right now so you can get to know people better. Our challenge is threefold. First, it is this. Please do not give up on the possibility of Christian community. I know, you've been there, you've done that, you bought the t-shirt, you know it is possible, but you feel like it is highly improbable. I get your cynicism, and yes, name it what it is. It is cynicism, call it what it is. It's not in the list of the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Let me read the definition. It's an inclination to question whether something will happen or whether it is even worthwhile. If Jesus said it is possible, it is possible. If Jesus said it is possible, it is good. It may not be easy or common, but I promise you it is possible. So don't give up on it. Not yet. Our second challenge is to engage. This is what we believe. Life change happens best in the context of relationships. Ever wonder why that it is? Uh, maybe we think it is true because everyone in the group is, is smarter than us and more spiritual than us and will grow to their level. Maybe we think it is true because others in the group will, will pray for us and hold us accountable. It's funny. Think of the community that gathered around Jesus for three years. How much change took place during those three years. I wonder how many times Jesus walked away from a conversation with one of his disciples and just went, oh, yay. They, they are not getting it at all. I mean, most days it seemed like little of spiritual value was happening with these people. They weren't getting his teaching. They were squabbling over position, refusing to use that basin to wash feet. And in the moment of truth, one of them betrayed him, another one denied him. Uh, a whole bunch of them ran away, and only one, only one was standing at the foot of the cross. Ever wonder why life change happens best in the context of relationships? I think in part it's because when we enter into it for the long haul, it gets really real. God uses the best of my imperfection as an invitation to grow you. And he uses the best of your imperfection as an invitation to grow me. He uses our messes as an opening, an invitation for something beautiful. And in all of these imperfections, the perfect one is present in us and among us and through us. He is the difference maker he is not simply, uh, it is not simply the relationship we have with each other, but the relationship we share in Christ and with Christ. And so the third challenge is pretty obvious. Let Jesus in. Let him in. This one will take some unpacking, and we'll, we'll do more unpacking over the next several weeks. What, what if in our groups and in our homes and at lunch and while driving together, we walked, together, we walked together in such a distinct sense that we are not alone, that it's not just us. That the words literally, I will be with you always to the end of the age mean I am with you here now. God is calling us to gather around the presence of Christ for the purpose of being transformed by Jesus' presence, so we can discern and do the will of God together. This involves committing ourselves in concrete ways 
to opening ourselves to the powerful, transforming presence of Jesus. Let's figure out how to do this together. How do we open ourselves to him? And so next week we'll talk about welcoming the stranger, this one who appears to be with us when we are willing to live authentically and transparently with each other. Pray with me. God in heaven, I pray right here, right now, that you would give us a profound sense of the presence of Jesus. That he, we would know he is here. That when we are together, you are together. You are with us. We're together with you. Raise our awareness. The transformation of relationship is not just the relationship one with another but it's all of us with Jesus present and real with us. And so I pray as we walk this week, you would awaken us to your constant presence. Help us not to see lunchtime the same way. Don't let us dare walk into a small group and just see the people that are there. Allow the way we live authentically to invite your presence so you show up. Sometimes we don't even recognize it until you break bread. And we say it is the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. We'll see you next week.